Welcome to the EFA Actions podcast. I'm your host, Evelyn Fletcher, CEO and founder of Get a Grip of the Grind. This podcast explores the actions of ordinary women as they realize their big and small ambitions. Tame fears, get more out of life, or reignite your vibrancy. These women are truly mavericks in their own worlds. Listen to their stories as they follow their dreams and reshape their lives to be more satisfying for them. My first encounter with Melody was many years ago as a highly qualified and ethical finance professional. I witnessed her fearlessly challenging the seniors and key influencers in a room I was facilitating. Her intellect and poise were courageously standing tall. A few years later, Melody reached out to me as she found herself wandering both her personal and professional wilderness. She was afflicted by self-doubt, what next? And she was also without a tribe to support her through her thinking and her next steps. In this podcast, we explore her journey and her personal insights as she reshaped her life. All right, let's, uh, let's get to Melody White. What would you like to know that you don't already know already? <laughs> give us a bit of your background, which is hugely extensive. So yeah, so I um, work as a finance professional and have done for the last 15 or so years. Absolutely love my profession and uh, love my career and very, very proud of what I've been able to do in a corporate sense and got introduced to the retreat that you run a couple of years ago now at a point in time where I was really really struggling both personally both professionally and was just absolutely stuck in how to move forward and how to deal with everything so the retreat almost came you know to the day perfect timing of exactly when I needed it I remember your message actually about yeah that this is just perfect timing for what was happening for you at that point in your life yeah it was very very freaky how it all happened and that was almost the catalyst for essentially letting go of trying to control everything and just letting things flow and I would have to say everything that has happened since then has been perfect timing I've said so many times over the past few years since all of that happened this was meant to be or that was just supposed to happen or wow this is just happening at exactly the right time that I need it and I think that that really is what get a grip of the grind is about is actually getting out of that routine and trying to control this structure around your life instead of just getting back to your instinct and listening to yourself and your body and the people around you and just letting go to where you need to be at the time on your journey. How would you describe how you were feeling or what you were thinking about life at that confluence personally and professionally? I was feeling really, really lost. Felt like my whole world was falling down around me. Although there was a sense that it all needed to happen, I think I was just scared about what was on the other side of actually moving through it all. And just this sense of needing to get away and needing to find a a tribe or some different people to to give different perspective and to to essentially help guide through it so uh, yeah it just felt this sense of impending dread but impending change as well and I think we all know when we need to 
make a change and you can only avoid it for so long. Yeah, sometimes things just have to happen. I just had a, a previous person I was actually interviewing for the podcast. It's taken her six years to make something happen. And while she could have made it happen six years ago, she's actually saying, you know what, I'm actually going to get a better outcome now, even though it's yeah. six years mindset thing around choosing to look at the glass half full as opposed to half empty or whether that's an actual reality uh, neither yeah. of really know but she's in a very different space um as well so what were the telltale signs for you that things were not where you needed them to be at that point nothing was working i just felt completely completely stuck in a rut i had no energy I wasn't looking after myself, did not want to get out of bed at all, did not want to face myself or anyone else. Yeah, it just felt really, really, really low, which was so, is so different to what I'm normally like. Yeah. If you had done nothing back then, what do you think might have, your alternate parallel life might be looking like right now? It would be pretty miserable. Um, <laughs> <Shouldn't be left. laughs> I either had this opportunity to move through discomfort and go to the other side and trudge through the mud or just become a much smaller version of myself and lose all confidence and just run away. Why do you think you struggled with possibly trying to move yourself through the sludge? Because you're actually a very determined individual, mm. achieved a huge amount in your life that not a lot of people are, are aware of. So it's not like you didn't have the capacity and the track record to deal with monumental change. So, you know, that that uh, passion and drive and intellect to actually make that change happen. Do you think, if you reflect, why do you think you struggled so much at that point in time this time around? I don't know. I think what's driven me in the past is just this sheer sense of opportunity and anyone can do anything they put their mind to. But what was plaguing me at that time was insecurity. And yes, you can look on the wall and see all these qualifications and achievements and accolades, but I think the reality is a lot of what drives people to that is just huge amounts of insecurity. And for me, very much, yeah, the sense of, well, surely I can't be good enough. And, you know, you sort of cover that up with another set of letters after your name or another bright and shiny job on your CV, but there's still this deep down sense of, but I'm not good enough. Surely someone's going to find out all this insecurity. So even though I'd been really successful, I think part of the downtime and the the stuff I had to work through was actually throwing away all of that insecurity that had driven me. And I think that's why it felt shallow, because although I'd had all this success, it didn't actually give me the satisfaction or a sense of personal worth that I needed. And I think it was all happening at the same time as well, because I have this philosophy that you need something strong and positive in your life to be able to buffer the shit that's going to be happening in the other space. But you actually exactly challenges right across every portfolio you could possibly think of, which then makes that hard. So you came to our retreat. What was it about it that you thought, I think this is perfect for me right now? This opportunity for time out, be it was you. So I knew it would be a gentle push and not a bright and shiny, you know, hallelujah retreat. It would be gentle, it would be nurturing, but it would also be hard. 
And just for me, just the location, like getting away completely really, really appealed. That was a big part of why I wanted to do it, just to get away. And that change of scenery, the gentle environment. Yeah, and the fact that it was small and intimate. So when you talk about getaway and the location, did you mean about stepping off the treadmill and out of your normal life and just disappearing off the face of the earth? Most definitely. <laughs> and we do host it in a 20 acre bush property in Bright as well, which is on purpose because of the benefits of being in nature on your mental and physical state. It wasn't just location as in Bright, it was more the total step out because there's not there's not an awful lot of access to telephone signals up there either, is there? No, you have to walk up to one certain point in the property up a hill somewhere so you can connect, reconnect with the world, but um, it does encourage you to switch off, which is really important. What were the things you enjoyed the most about the retreat? Loved meeting the other people on the retreat who have become lifelong friends. Just amazing, just the connection that we formed. I think feeling safe to actually explore some really, really difficult stuff. And then just offsetting that with the outdoors and, and nature and the activities that we did. You know, it wasn't about what you do as a job or why you're there. There was this sense of when you're sitting in a cave that you're all just exactly the same and you've all just been, re not reduced, but take it, paired back to your lowest common denominator, right? So no bright and shiny, nothing fancy, just raw human to human contact was definitely the highlight. I might need to put this into context because the listeners might think I actually put you guys in a cave and just made you sit there for a little while. So. <laughs> It's not a nudist camp or anything. <laughs> Would you like to share a little bit about the caving activity we did? Yes, very interesting in terms of A, the challenge. So, you know, we didn't know what to expect. And Evelyn, you were very good at not warning us. I think there was four or five of us basically just got thrown in the deep end, so to speak, on our bellies and straight into a cave. And it was really, really interesting, just the, the darkness and how different people reacted to being in that situation. For me, we'd done abseiling, I think the day before, and I go into my head a lot. And because I've achieved everything that I've ever done on my own and have this fiercely independent, I will never rely on anyone on my, in my life on ever again. When we'd done the abseiling, I was just able to go into my head and go, I can do this, I can learn this, whatever. But in the cave situation, we were very much forced to work as a team, which meant that you couldn't go into your head. You had to be very, very present and very alert and very aware of what everyone else was doing. And it was interesting seeing somebody who is normally very extroverted actually have to go into themselves just to cope with the claustrophobia. Noticing that, helping them through that was really, really interesting for me because it gave me this suddenly this level of awareness of, yeah, how different people cope with different situations. And it got me out of my head. And that was a surprise, actually, I think, for everybody who went through that activity that afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Extraordinary experience. What actually changed for you during the retreat? Like what did you, I guess, what did you walk away with? What were your commitments to yourself and why? I think I walked away from that weekend knowing it was just the start. There was a safe place in terms of the people and the sort of tribe that had formed around me that felt really, really reassuring. And this sense of not relief, but just this sense of I'm worth being nurtured. You know, we'd been, we got nurtured all weekend. It was lovely and that it's okay. Like the world didn't end just because I nurtured myself for three and a half days. So that, that was really, really powerful for all of us, I think. When you went back to your normal world, always I always think of our retreats and festivals as the uh, archetypal hero's journey. You know, we're wandering wandering around in our own normal life and then we meet somebody or something happens that catapults us into this caving experience, which I consider the retreat to be. And we literally have a caving experience as part of it. But you step out then into a different world where you come across, I suppose, challenges that make you think and consider who mm. you want to be and what you need out of life. But then you ultimately go back into what you stepped out of. It's like a little time warp. What, yeah. what happened when you went back to your old normal? I think I was really lucky in a sense because my whole world had already been turned upside down. So I was walking back into essentially a blank canvas. So my job had changed, uh, my relationship had changed. Um, I was in essentially a newer environment in terms of where I was living. So for me, it really, I was lucky it was a blank canvas. It wasn't like 12 months prior to that where I was in the grind of a lot more day-to-day and and a routine. So tell us what you decided to do with your blank canvas then. The blank canvas. That's a good question. Well, I know you did some stuff. I did. The the whole it's okay to nurture myself and spend some time really resonated with me. And I think just tapping back into the fact that I am quite a wanderer and a gypsy and quite a bohemian and had relied totally on my intellect for 15 years to create a level of security around me, which I needed at the time. It, it really opened up for me just tapping back into, you know, everything else other than grind stuff. You know, my love of music. I bought a piano not long after. That's right, I remember that. Or it was not long before doing the retreat. And I remember buying this piano. I've always wanted to be able to play the piano. Uh, never had the opportunity as a kid, love music. And I can't read music, wouldn't have a clue where to start. And I remember at the time buying this piano and it just I just sat and looked at it for two months. And there was such this emotion tied to, oh my God, I cannot believe I actually have this privilege right in front of me. This can't be right. I cannot be worth this. And it was probably the single most expensive thing that I've spent on myself and it was like $2,000. Apart from my education, it was the first thing that I'd bought for, just for me that wasn't associated with, you know, providing for someone else or rescuing someone else or whatever. And I think we as women, we forget all the time to do this sort of stuff for ourselves. So yes, yeah, so I had this thing in the house after coming back from the retreat, we'd just sit all hours of the night just to 
just teaching myself how to play. And it was such a healing, nurturing thing for me to do. And I also remember, because I do touch base with you guys after the retreat, ringing you one morning. And I think you were getting frustrated at going to the gym. I don't know if you remember this. And I'm going, what are you doing going to the gym? You need to be outside walking. I can't remember what exactly it was because you weren't in the gym at the time, but you were doing stuff still in the old habits. And the old experience. Oh, that's right. I went and did F45. And you just laughed at me after the retreat. You were like, what the hell? That is so not you. You know, trying to have something to achieve and prove. And yeah. The, away from. And it's not, it wasn't you. So I think you um, rang me then the following week saying, walking around Albert Park or something. And you were much more satisfied. Yes. Kakarook Park five kilometers round a lake much more satisfying and less structured oh yeah definitely and i do that now all the time so where i live now in brisbane i live directly across the road from um, a creek and this beautiful long rainforest walk that i can take multiple paths on i can cross the creek stepping on rocks to get over and I can sit climb a tree and sit and contemplate the world and and that's how I get my exercise and connection with nature it's just so wild and unstructured it's lovely so looking at where you were like two and a half years ago to where you are now What's the single biggest thing that's actually changed for you that you hang on to as an anchor to make sure that you stay you going forward? I think it's just holding on to my confidence, not letting people get the better of me, which I used to do a lot. And I'd very, very quickly lose my sense of self. And I hate conflict. So I would just cave to whatever anyone wanted just to avoid conflict. Whereas now I have such a stronger sense of who I am and what I will and won't compromise on. And yeah, that's not to say over the past two and a half years, like you you can, it's so easy to get drawn back into the pattern and it takes a huge amount of strength just to go, no, I'm just going to live life the way I want, no matter what anyone else thinks. It's very sticky. I think the grind and community expectations, particularly for women and even more so for women mm. primary carers it's so easy to get pulled back into that space like, like every moment almost of every day that particular retreat you attended with me you have literally created lifelong friends i know it's only been two and a half years but they're not going anywhere because no do you want to talk to us a little bit about that group and how they're supporting you now Oh, they've just been incredible. For me, having never really had lifelong friends or even understood that concept just because of the way I grew up and this, like, always just had to do things alone. Not even like you have to talk to them, you know, often once a week or whatever, but the minute, the minute we see each other, and this is why the festival's been so valuable, it is so nice having a tribe behind you who has this lifelong view of things and understands the fact that life is a really, really long journey. And it's different to the interactions you have on a daily basis. It's an 
It's an interaction where you can come together in person once a year and really be interested in what's changed, how you've grown. It's a totally, totally different conversation. And it's also one that really, really pushes you to, okay, what are you going to have achieved when we see you this time next year? It is such a powerful relationship that you don't, you don't always get in life. And I liken that to when I arrived in Australia first, which was about 15 years ago. It took me about four years to settle. Mm. And it wasn't because of anything in particular, I think. I just, it's still a very different culture to what I grew up in, even if mm. um, it's primarily white people settled here that are descendants from the Irish and the English. I'm Irish, my husband's English. But it was more that I, I just didn't find a tribe. I still felt, you know, quite wacko because of this stuff I get involved in you know all those types of in I'm very happy in a cave but put me in front of technology yeah. and I'll have an equivalent meltdown to somebody who's freaking out in a in a cave and it's it is finding your tribe and when I found my triathlon squad that's when I settled in Australia because yeah you don't feel like an outsider and you have a bunch of people that when they find out what you're up to they're going oh my god can I come rather yeah. than that you're going oh you're just crazy. Why would you want to be doing that sort of stuff or, you know, being dismissive in a different way? So your support crew, which is what you found, is so mm. important to your confidence and mm. a genuine reality check where they've got your best interests at heart. Exactly. There's no bullshit with them. It's just, Definitely. they just want the best. We just want the best for everyone. There's no bullshit with your lot, but there's a lot of uh, uh, wine. There's a lot there's of a lot of alcohol and late nights. <laughs> yep. Um, so, what would you say to people who might be thinking about attending a retreat, which you want to uh, have done, or the festival? Make the time and do it. I talk about it all the time to people, and I get the oh, "you're just crazy" all the time for going on the festival and the retreat. But you can see the sense of envy in people of, oh, I wish I could do that, but I can't. Um, I invited one of my colleagues to come to the festival in February. Absolutely needed it. And like everyone I talked to, yes, yes, we'd love to come. I've spoken to my husband. I'm sure we can make it work. And then at the last minute, just it's all too hard. And I would have loved to have seen her come and see what's on the other side of opportunity and just nurturing yourself and, and giving yourself some space to think. Just do it. It is so worth it. The, the comfort and security of the grind is so shallow. And, you know, you think it provides all your satisfaction and, and worthiness, but it actually doesn't. And when it's not there anymore, you'll be wandering around going, what happened? In the wilderness. And I think there's two things there for me. It is absolutely very easy to stay in the grind. And that's almost playing a victim mentality. You know, yeah. this is who I am. This is what I'm going to accept. And in my experience with the people I've interacted with, they're not living their life to their fullest. And nope. a lot of them are lost. I mean, you use that term at the start. They're just, they're lost. They're not quite sure mm. what or who they are. You know, what, what, what do I stand for? What are my values? Again, you said, I now know what I will accept. And I now mm. know 
walk away from. That's one of the things for me, I think is a very core aspect of the grind, because particularly for women, we go through so many transitions. We have so many societal expectations. The ones that get asked, you know, if you're in a high powered career, how do you manage that with family? And the guys don't get asked the same thing. Now, this isn't about feminism. It's just about having that confidence to know that this is what's important for you. And for me, at participating in something like Get a Grip of the Grind, it's an investment. It is you and your your glorious example of it, putting your oxygen mask on first. You're in the best position to help and care and support those people around you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just on the, the whole women thing and finding your tribe as a woman is absolutely wonderful and imperative. Also having seeking out, having really, really good men around you too. I have so many incredible, incredible male mentors. And I don't think we as women always have the confidence to reach out because we're always trying to prove ourselves and, you know, almost compete a little bit. But, you know, connect with the men you admire around you in the workplace or in your community as well, because everyone is willing to help support and offer advice and believe in you. It's so important. What, two and a half years on, so that's two festivals and one retreat. Plus, I know you're working on stuff in between and you're connecting with your tribe that are, you know, holding you to account to what you've committed to and you've had some major milestones in that space. What would yes. you family and friends say about the melody two and a half years ago versus now? They see a much more relaxed, happy melody. Um, I, my grandmother is still alive and I have the privilege of having an amazing relationship with her. She's 87. Oh, wow. She's Swedish. She can drink me under the table and she has lived, she's a real matriarch, has lived an incredible life and always just never apologised for who she is. She's just extraordinary. And she says to me, I'm so glad, Melody, that you finally have the confidence to spread your wings. Oh, wow. And, you know, just she just goes, I, I just wish I could be around forever to watch what you're going to do. Oh. So just such a beautiful thing. Um, and just that encouragement of just go and do it. Life is short. Just go and do it. Go and have fun. Go and have experiences. So, yeah, they see a very, very different person to what I was. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your time today. Hopefully you will inspire others to invest in themselves. Uh, Absolutely. Take that time to at least, you know, get away, even if it's for a short time. A lot of those blockers we put up, and I've, I hear it time and time again, you know, it's not funny actually hearing other people give me the same feedback. And that's the grind holding people back, you know. Mm. You walk away from your family from the weekend, like what's the worst that can happen? They eat pizza every night of the week and have chocolate cocoa pops for breakfast. They're going to yeah. win, you know, or maybe they wet the bed or something happens on the floor. Like it just, it doesn't matter. It's just walk away. It doesn't matter. No. I was talking to someone the other day who um, uh, said, oh, the, the statistics in the current crisis of working from home yeah. are saying that women are still doing the vast majority of all the domestic stuff. Yeah. 
And I challenged her on that and I said, well, I think that's because us women hold ourselves to higher domestic standards than men. Yeah. And if we actually just stopped <laughs> and let the guys manage to their best ability, even if there's a bit more mess and the kids are a bit more dirty at the end of the day, that's okay. And that's the same concept with going away for the weekend. Yes, it won't be managed to the standard that you manage to, but does it really matter at the end of the day, as long as they're alive and I, they've had fun? You know, you you met Sharon Hannah? Yes. Sharon, Sharon Hannah at one point commented about how I've let so much, we were having a conversation like this and I'm going, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. I just, that's not where I want to spend my time. So I've just gone, bugger it. Um, and she was commenting on it in a good way because she was contrasting what she and I um, did. And actually, since I've come back to working from home, the one thing I was not going to allow to happen was me to continue with the chores in the house. Yeah. Everybody was working from home now. We actually, we set up a roster. It doesn't always get done, but the key things like yeah. dinner, the bins and the dishwasher are getting yeah. And we have a mystery job then that's allocated out every day because <laughs> you do not want to fall into that trap of being the domestic bitch back in the house and trying to manage everything to my standard. So we do. We're, we're, we're our own worst enemy at the best of times, and it's about waking up a lot and letting some of those standards go and really realizing, you know, what is the worst that can happen? It's actually, it's not really that. Nobody's gonna die. Nobody's gonna get hurt. No one's gonna die. Would you rather run a house or a home? I used to run a house. I used to be a domestic goddess, you know, everything clean, everything sorted, beautiful dinner parties, whatever. And like my house now is pretty messy but people come in and they say this feels like a home and they don't want to leave. And it's just full of kids and family and people in and out. So it's just, much more satisfying. Yeah, and I've got different priorities. I'd rather be out riding my bike or trail running somewhere with my kid yeah. rather than um, getting too focused on it, even though that's not what my family see. They still see me focused, but they can't see what's going on in my head. But anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't let them in. <laughs> let them in. Oh, God, no. Couldn't do that. <laughs> there are three takeaways from Melody's story. Melody went on a retreat to find new people. She discovered that strangers can become her new tribe. There were people on the retreat who wanted her to succeed in her ambitions, regardless of what those ambitions were, because they recognized how she wanted to live her life was important to her and her family. Those people she met on our retreat are now one of her rocks. They know her, they know her extremely well, and she knows that they are there when she reaches out. So the second takeaway is that Melody actually took time to pause, reflect and reset. She stepped off the treadmill. If and when you get an opportunity to pause and reflect between your gigs, your career or family events, take it so you can ensure you're living your life the way you want it. The third takeaway is that Melody found a safe place to explore her life. She was encouraged to look at what she needed, the changes she potentially needed to make and the paths that were before her and the benefits and the disadvantages that lay out there. Her new tribe encouraged that freedom of reflection just by their curiosity 
and their care that she got the most out of her life. And to wrap up, I absolutely love Melody's quote. The comfort and security of the grind is so shallow and it is so true. It is so easy to just get out of bed and go through the routine day after day. If this resonates with you and you want to get out of this grind, join us on one of our programs. Just do it. Dedicate that weekend to you or come away on our retreat for four days or just go and take the time away yourself and reflect and it will change your life forever as it did Melody. So... If you like what you hear, we've got plenty more to offer. You can join us for our monthly webinar chats called the IFA webinar series on the second Sunday of the month, starting the 10th of May. Come and meet us in person at our annual festival held on the last weekend in February in Bright. Or come and join us on one of our intimate retreats that we hold biannually. Our usual IFA series, which is a combination of talks and weekend warrior events. All of the details you can find on our website, getagripofthegrind.com.au or connect with us on our Facebook page and Instagram.